Romans chapter 8, we've been preaching uh, five or six weeks out of this wonderful chapter of liberty and freedom. Uh, this morning we're going to continue our thought about divine confidence in the spirit life. You know, the Lord, the Holy Ghost will make Jesus real to you, and the Holy Spirit will make praying real to you. And I want to tell you something, you worship in spirit and truth. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit makes everything right and makes it real, but he sets you free. And first of all, we talk about uh, the spirit-filled life that delivers, verses 1 through 4. And then the, holy, the, the difference, uh, the difference uh, the spirit life makes, verse 5 through 13. Then the delights of the Spirit of God, verses 13 through 17. And then the divine hope. We had three groans. Remember those three groans uh, we preached on the divine hope of living in the Spirit, or being in the Spirit life, or being born of the Spirit. Then there's the divine difference um, that's found in verses 24 through 32, and that's where we're at now. Oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things pass away, behold, all things come new. Don't give me this religion and this uh, thing that you can get saved and your life's not changed. I want to tell you something, it's radically changed. When the Spirit of God comes in your life, He is the change agent. He's not just an agent. He's the person of the Godhead bodily. Thank God He is the Holy Spirit that comes in your life and liberates you from the flesh life. Get out of Romans 7. Get in Romans 8. Romans 7 is I do this and I don't want to do this and oh wretched man that I am. But praise God, there's liberty in the Spirit. Where the, Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and it's not liberty to do what you want to do, it's liberty to live the will of God, amen, and to glorify God, and to make much of Jesus, and that's the Spirit of God's office, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit, and if you're living beneath that privilege, I feel sorry for you, because you're just a dead religionist, and I want to tell you something, friend, without the Spirit of God, you can't worship Him, and you'll not work for Him, you'll not witness for Him, and you will be a withering victim in this world. But I like that song, Brother Alex. It goes right along with the message. We are more than conquerors. And I like to preach, back up and preach a little bit more on Romans 8, 28. I just feel like I hit it too quick. And so in a series, you can hit it again. Praise God. Amen. Y'all in a hurry to get through Romans 8? Okay, good. I'll preach till. Jesus comes. Okay, amen. I hope I don't preach. Well, maybe so. Amen. But anyway, let's stand on the Word of God. It says, for we know, I like that, don't you? We know, we got confidence. That's where I'm getting the title. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow and He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now listen very closely. Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also will glorify. I'm glad I got a salvation I can't lose. Amen. Amen. Look at this. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all, 
for, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What an encouragement to pray. And who shall lay anything to the, to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Now hold on to this verse. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I believe I'll quit right there and preach these verses on why bad things happen to good people. You may be sit, seated as I pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done in our lives, in our Christian life, dear God, through the Spirit and through the Word. And God, thank you for the confidence and the courage to go on. And Lord, if I know anything, I know that I need to be encouraged this morning in the Lord because my heart is broken. And Lord, I try to put myself in people's places. Some people don't like to do that because it hurts too much, but God, compassion makes a difference. And God, I can't understand why some things have happened this week. And I'm not going to try to trace you. And I'm definitely not going to try to question you. But Lord, dear God, I'm going to be encouraged that you're still on the throne. And that God, we believe in the sovereignty of God. We need, we need we believe in the providence of God. And we believe in these verses, every word of it. And I pray, dear God, that you'd encourage some folks this morning. Because Lord, you are still Lord. God, if there's one that's lost, save them. Because, Lord, they're on their own, they're dead in their sins and trespasses, and there is no encouragement. So, Lord, please speak through me. And, Lord, Holy Spirit, please preach through me. And, Holy Spirit, would you please captivate somebody's attention that normally doesn't listen. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I, I preached on that this, this past Sunday morning. I let Brother Chase preach. I got his name right down there. Chase preached last Sunday night. He did a great job. But you know, the Bible says that even trouble works for Christians. Even trouble works for Christians. The Bible says in this verse 28 that all things are His employees. They work together. Well, who's doing the working? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He works all things, and here's a key word in this verse that we overlook together. So folks, a lot of it depends, a lot of it depends in your personal providence how you react. If you want to get bitter and you want to get mad at God, go ahead. But I'm going to tell you something, you just stepped out of the all things work together. Amen. Because what, what does your Bible say? It says, and we know that all things work together for good, but wait a minute, here's a conditional promise, to them that love God, and listen to this, to them who are called according to His purpose. Now folks, I want, show, I want you to see this real clear now, because a lot of people take this verse out of context. It's very dangerous to do that. Verse 29 says this, for whom He did foreknow, He did predestine, to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, all things work together to make you more like Jesus. Now some trouble is for conditioning. Some trouble is for chastening. 
And that's even good. You ought to thank God that God's good enough to correct you. Say amen. How many of you have ever been to God's woodshed? Say amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. If you're saved, you ought to fear God. And you ought to fear sin. And you ought to fear the, fear the shelf. And you ought to fear yourself. Because God can get your attention. God can ring your bell. God knows your address. But folks, that's a good thing. Because He's your Father. And He's not brutal. And He's not a Marine that's going to put you in the uh, Marines for the rest of your life and the drill sergeant. He's a loving Father. And my Father knows best. How about yours? He knows best. And He knows that sometimes it takes sorrow, sickness, financial reversal, uh, betrayal, absolute heartache to bring you into His likeness. Because the truth of the matter is, all of us are pretty selfish. Come on, say amen right there. And if you don't, your wife will say it for you. Amen. Praise God. But I see, uh, as I preached last week, and I just want to sum this up again. There's comfort in this verse. There's comfort in this verse. All things work together for good. Good means anything that makes you godly. So why does bad things happen to good people or godly people? You know, when I got saved, I thought, praise God, this is an exemption card from all trouble. I'm going to just tip through the tulips till I get to heaven and rejoice and praise God. Folks, it's more like walking through the minefield and you don't even know where the bombs are going off and you don't know when the devil's going to attack next, but you walk with God. And he uses all things. Together, I'm not going to give you my homemade biscuit illustration. I heard a preacher preach use that Thursday, and I said, how in the world did he get that uh, illustration? Probably the same place I got it. But anyway, uh, it was wonderful. He'd lost a 28-year-old son to brain tumors. He'd been through a lot in his life. He gave that testimony. He lost his wife last February. And he could say, God's good. Folks, only, only, only Christians can say, this trouble is going to be good. I don't believe in this escapism, charismatic, well, praise God anyway. But I believe in saying, Lord, I praise God that you're still with me. Amen. And I don't have to bear this sorrow by myself. Right. See, I'll tell you what I, I really hate is when I walk in a funeral home and I realize most of the people there are lost and they ain't got no comfort, pardon the bad, bad English. They have nobody to help them. I can cry with them, I can weep with them, I can counsel with them. But they don't have the resident counselor to teach them, oh, that God's good. And He's good all the time. That's what Brother Dave McCoy has his church say all the time. God is good. And they say all the time. He's in the own event right now, and I'm, I'm sure he's saying God is good. God means, good means anything that makes you more like God. Even chastening is good. Conviction is good. Can somebody say amen there? I'm glad God the Holy Spirit is a convictor. I don't need you to be the Holy Ghost to me, and you don't need me to be the Holy Ghost to you because there's no substitute for the convictor. Say amen. Some of us try to get out of bounds and try to be the Holy Ghost. And folks, I believe correction's good. And I believe the best thing about all that is it for it, our, it, for it profits us to be partakers of holiness. See, verse 29 is predestination about holiness 
not heaven. Folks, I want to tell you something. When you get saved, you immediately become predestined and foreordained by the grace of God to be like Jesus. Amen? It's not this hyper-Calvinist junk that says some are lost and some are saved and whosoever is not whosoever, but it's somebody that uh, is predestined, foreordained for the foundation of the world to uh, be saved. Folks, that's kind of prejudice on God's part, don't you think? These intellectuals that want to try to reform the church into hyper-Calvinism, it's not of God, it's a heresy. Folks, it's whosoever will. But I'm telling you, my God can go back, go to the future and look back, so I can't figure all this foreknowledge stuff out. I just got to trust God today and realize that all things work together. And God is in charge of making sure that all things work together. I'm glad I'm not in charge of it. I don't have to be the cook. When I want homemade biscuits, I'm glad my wife knows how to make them. And she uses the lard. Or is it short now? That's more dignified. We use the lard around our house, praise God. And the buttermilk and the baking soda. But individually, the flour would choke you. But thank God, when you put it in a master shell's hand, he works it together. And he knows how long to keep you in the oven. And he's got his hand on the thermometer, so to speak. He knows what your internal and internal, eternal temperature is. And so he keeps a gauge on it. I'm a master chef when it comes to the green egg that I won at some Baptist lottery. No, it was a, it was a preacher's meeting and I won the, the great gift of a green egg. But I want to tell you something, friend. I have to have this little old meter, and Jim Cudd taught me this, where you got to put that internal temperature in there, and I hook it to another uh, little device, and I put it next to the TV, so while I'm watching Georgia win all every day, praise God, I can just look and say, oh, well, it's about 143 now. As soon as that port loin gets to 153, I'm pulling it, and I hope it's going to be good. Well, it's going to be good, because the master shelf's got his hand on the thermometer. Amen. That's a real exaggerated illustration. <laughs> but I'm going to say this. Come on, Brother John. You know what I'm talking about. God knows your heart. And God knows what it's going to take to soften your little old heart and your hard heart and your preoccupied heart. And folks, he sends stuff into your life that you would never imagine he'd allow in your life. And some people get bitter instead of humble. For we know that all things work together. Folks, there's a condition there to them that love God. God's purpose in your life, and it's called according to His purpose, is to glorify God. Amen. Isaiah 43, 7, I was reading that in my devotions this morning. It says that all things were formed for His glory. You're created for His glory. You're not created to have just joy. This world is full of heartache. And so, folks, we need to love God, and that means sacrificially, submissively, and willingly. Amen? If you love somebody, it's willing. Amen? Willing. My wife's been with me willingly for 47 years. 48. 47. 47, yeah. And then we need to be led of God. It means you're doing the will of God. And, folks, the disobedient to God's calling you'll miss this promise. If you're out of the will of God, I'm telling you, 
God might be doing something to get you back in the will of God, but you better be in the will of God when you go to the emergency room. And some people have to throw up a flare prayer on the way. God, forgive me for not having these children in church all these years. Forgive me for being lazy on Sunday morning and not coming to Sunday school. Forgive me for not coming back Wednesday night. Forgive me for putting Little League in front of Sunday school, God, and they're throwing up all kinds of getting right prayers trying to save their little boy and that fever that he's got. And folks, I want to tell you something. You better be on praying ground now. You never know when you're going to need God. And now I want to close this verse, not this series, with this thought. God gave us a great illustration of this verse. Turn to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. What an illustration. By the way, you'll never see anything or hear anything negative of Joseph because he's the best type of Jesus in the Old Testament. There's nothing negative about it. I'm sure there was something negative about him because he was a sinner just like you and me. But praise God, I want to tell you something. I don't see anything he did wrong in this verse. But it says right here in verse 20, Genesis 50. Y'all with me? Say amen. You got your King James Bible? Amen. Look at verse 20. But as for me, as for you, he thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much alive. Here's uh, the fear of his brethren coming out and saying, boy, we got to face the, uh, Pharaoh's favorite, the assistant Pharaoh now, Joseph, the secretary of agriculture and is in charge of all the food of the whole world. And he's going to shoot us. He's going to kill us. Because you see, several years back, Joseph was a boy loved by his father. Get the type now. He was hated by his brethren. Let me just say this, friend. Jealousy will eat your lunch and cause you to eat other people's lunches. I mean, jealousy will bring anger. Jealousy will put murder in your heart. You ever been possessed by your jealousy? They had a chance to get rid of him once and for all, so they chose to do so by selling him into slavery to a traveling band of merchants. And he was taken to Egypt, and he was auctioned off as a slave on a block, and he was put to work in the house of a man named Potiphar. And then God began to bless, and Potiphar soon saw the blessing in the hand of God upon Joseph, Folks, I want to tell you some circumstances and even slavery cannot keep down a man of God. He walked with God even in these adverse conditions. All things worked together. And he gave Joseph rulership over the household. And he went out of town for a business trip. And the wife of Potter saw his power, saw his dignity. And she lusted after. The Bible says in Genesis 39, day by day, that's how temptation works, she, she, uh, she attempted him. And he wouldn't give in to that temptation. Matter of fact, thank God, the Bible says he got up and fled. You know what that is? That's tennis shoe sanctification. Praise God. It takes more guts to run from temptation than it does to succumb to it. Say amen. Drive on by that beer station. Drive on by that harlot station. Hey, friend, it takes more guts and more courage 
to stay in the will of God and stay pure and stay holy than it does to go in there and succumb to your little old weak flesh and go with the world and the devil and the flesh. And so Joseph wouldn't succumb to her temptation, so you know what happened. She started crying rape. And soon he found himself languishing in an Egyptian prison because Potiphar came home and says, I trusted you. You tried to seduce my wife. You're going to jail, boy. They threw him in prison. And one day, a baker and a butler of the Pharaoh found themselves on the bad side of Pharaoh, and he threw them in prison. But by the providence of God, by the Holy Ghost leading everything together, they put him in a cell with old Joseph. And on that particular night, Joseph, by the way, became the leader of the jail. Amen. I don't know what you do. I guess he was the walk around, Brother Larry. You know, praise God. He had the, he had the freedom to wear the blue uniform or whatever they wear now. And folks, he, uh, he, he even rose up to leadership in the prison. One particular night, they both had a strange dream, and Joseph interpreted it to them. And his interpretation held true, and the baker was, was killed, and the butler was restored to his position. As the butler left the prison, Joseph asked him to speak to the Pharaoh about his situation, but the butler forgot. And you know, this is a great story. Don't you be overcome by people's accusations, because he had plenty of them. And don't you get overcome by people's amnesia, because people will forget you. Say amen. I've had people walk out of here and not even say bye, and I led their whole family to the Lord. And I want to get upset about it. I got a pastor's heart. I don't like to see people leave, and especially not say bye. But I'll tell you this, friend. Two more years Joseph spent in prison. Before one night, the Pharaoh had a strange dream. The butler remembered Joseph before he knew he was uh, standing in front of Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh saying, tell me what this dream means. And the news wasn't good when he interpreted. He said, there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And Joseph advised the Pharaoh to put some in store. Amen. Stop pile some food during these years of plenty. And he said, well, who am I going to choose? And he looked at Joseph and said, you're the man. And so here he is from a prisoner to the prime minister. Praise God. All things work together. Not individually, together. God used Joseph to save the whole nation of Egypt. And ultimately his own family came to Egypt and he protected them. That's what this verse is saying. And God's sovereign providence was working out for Joseph good and for God's glory to be a blessing to generations to come. And we're reading the story, and you can read Genesis um, 45, verse 7 and 8, when he confronted his brothers. Go back to uh, verse 45, chapter 45. Genesis 45, 7 8. You with me? It says, And God sent me before you. He's talking to his brothers. They're scared to death now because they've been revealed. He revealed himself to him. They didn't even know that. That was Joseph, and they were standing before him, the man in charge. And he said, hey, God sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity. Verse 7, look at it. In the earth, and to save your lives by the great deliverance. Look at verse 8. 
Psalms 45. You with me now? I'm trying to show you the greatest illustration of Romans 8, 28, and 29 in the Bible. That's found in chapter 37 through 50. Look at verse 8. It says, For now it was not you that sent me hither. Look at the next word, class. But, look at the next word, is more important than that, God. But God! And he hath made me a father to the Pharaoh, and the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. He said, I'm not going to kill you. I could. You're the one that threw me in that pit, and you're the one that sold me. But he said, God sent me here. And God sent me here for a prosperity to you. And folks, he said, hey, listen. And then verse 50, 50, chapter 50, verse 20 again, he says, For as you, you thought it evil against me. It was evil jealousy. But God meant it for, unto good to bring the past this, this day to save much people alive. All things work together for good. But not just to everyone and for God's glory. It's those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And what happens? Verse 29. Let's go back to Romans 8. It'll be a few more weeks before I finish the chapter. And I don't really care. Amen? Because I enjoy knowing where I'm preaching. But look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestine, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. No, verse 29. And whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, I have four C's why people... Christians have trouble, but I got another one. It don't start with a C. But I want to tell you something. God allows trouble in your life sometimes to confirm your faith. That does start with a C, don't it? Praise God, I'm going to add that to my message. He confirms your faith. See, you don't know how much faith you've got until everything starts falling apart. Come on, say amen. You don't know how much faith you have until mama dies or daddy or husband. children, your best friend, you know how much faith you have. Hey, it's easy to have faith in here, singing, praising, nice padded pews, you can sleep on even, if you want to. God help if you do during my message, because that's discouraging. But anyway, God wants to see you in the valley, still praise Him, still walk on. Boy, I've had to use this verse many times because I want to quit. Because somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody accused me of something. Accused my family. And then some people got an amnesia and just forgot how good God is. I'm not talking about me personally. I mean how good God is and just walk off and quit church. Folks, listen, you ain't quitting Wayne Cofield. You're not quitting Whitfield Baptist Church. When you backslide, you're quitting God. God wants to work all things together. And there's nobody, no great physician on this earth. There's no governor. There's no politician. There's no power. There's no preacher. There's definitely no pope that can work all things together for your good. Only God can do that. So walk with him. Talk with him. Pray in the spirit these last few verses we've studied. Joseph is one of the greatest types of our Lord. And folks, what we should be like is our Lord, especially during 
trouble. See, if you're saved, trouble works for His glory and you're good. But if you're lost, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You can't pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's not your Father. Prayer is a family privilege. And prayer is a privilege of the Spirit of God to escort you into the presence of God to know how to pray. And to want to pray. And so folks, it's all for conforming to His image. So let me just show you verse 29. God designs that believers should be like Jesus. And predestination is not for heaven, but predestination is for holiness. To have a little heaven on this earth. Heavenly peace, heavenly blessings. And folks, I love this verse 30. And I'll quit here. But you know, friend, when God saves you, He's going to see you through. Uh, when I first came to this town, everybody was holding on and praying through that I was visiting a lot of people. Well, I don't know. I said, if you died today, do you know you go to heaven, sir? They said, well, I'm holding on. I'm praying through. I said, that ain't good enough. They look at me like I was a heretic. I said, because he held on at Calvary and he prayed through at Calvary, praise God. And you're not saved by holding on. You're predestined, foreordained for the foundation of the world. Once you get saved, you're going to be glorified. Look at it, verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestine, him he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. Justified never sinned. That's a pretty clean slate, isn't it? But look at this. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Folks, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. Amen. Well, I'm just not sure because I ain't living like it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's when... Number one, you don't want to sin. And number two is you're afraid to. Say amen. Some people, and I'm talking about assurance of salvation. I feel like just stopping right here and singing blessed assurance. I'm talking about assurance of salvation, friend. Everybody looks at we Baptists that believe that and say, hey, listen, if I believe that, I just live like I want to. There's a problem. Number one, you don't want to. Amen. And number two, you're scared to. Why? Because you know for whom the Lord loveth, he's scourged and chased every son he received. You think I live like I want to when I was at 2172 Holly Hill Drive in Decatur, Georgia when Lily Cofield was around? You think I live like I want to? I'm going to tell you something. That woman loved me enough to take a hickory switch. Every time I got out of line, I'd get arrested today. I ain't going there. But anyway, and, 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 and she would whoop me. I didn't say whip. She whooped me. Because she loved me. And you know what I'm going to call her when I get to heaven? Blessed. Because she taught me that there is a consequence for sin. And when I got under conviction, I remember there is a consequence for sin. And I don't want it called hell. And I got saved. Because I realized what sin was. And folks, I want to tell you something. Salvation. Blessed assurance. Oh, friend, verse 30 talks about it. But then there's three questions asked that we'll deal with next Sunday morning. He asked three questions. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's all about assurance of salvation. He's talking about eternal security. I don't even like that term. I like eternal life. You know what eternal life is? It's eternal life. God said He'd give you eternal life. No man can pluck you out of His hand. And my sheep know me and hear my voice and follow me. John chapter 10. No man can pluck you out of here. Well, you can pluck yourself out of God's hand. Who wants to? Amen. 
By the way, if you're part of the fingers, you can't pluck yourself out of the hand. You're part of the body of Christ. Amen. As long as the head's above the water, the body's never going to drown. When the Lord, who is the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord, who is the good shepherd of the sheep, the Lord, who is the chief shepherd of the sheep, Psalms 22, Psalms 23, Psalms 24, he's going to come home with all his sheep. If he has to leave the 90 and 9 and go get the one, he'll do it, Luke chapter 15. All three parables in Luke chapter 15 is a picture of a sovereign God, a loving Father, and a caring heavenly Savior. He saves you to the uttermost. Praise God. And I want to tell you something, friend. What then shall I say, verse 31? What then shall I say? You know what that what he's saying? This is so wonderful. I ain't got nothing else to say. But he did do pretty good for the next five chapters. Amen. Four. Five. I don't know. Praise God. The rest of the book of Romans. Y'all read it. What then shall I say? What can I say? It's so wonderful I have nothing to add. It's so wonderful I have nothing to add. But he goes ahead and adds a little. Here it is. Look at it. I'll just go over this. If God be for us, thank you, Brother Alex, for that song. If God be for us, who can be against us? What a good question. There's a certainty when you know you're saved. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Written by a blind lady that was, her eyesight was put out at six months. Brother Randy, six years, six Months, six days, I don't know, six something. Six months. And she still could sing, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Yeah. Oh, what a foretaste of Jesus is mine. You know why? She saw him who is invisible. Oh, what a blessed assurance. Folks, we got confidence in the spiritual life. And I want to tell you what the greatest confidence is. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Yeah. And when I know that I know that I know that I'm saved, I can say, praise God, all this junk, all this sickness, all this sorrow, all these unexpected things, Joseph, all that accusation, all that amnesia, all that anger from your brothers, you can work it together for God's glory. And you're good. Isn't it wonderful to be saved? Amen. He said, what can I say? That's what you ought to say on testimony time. So I, I can't describe it. It's so good, I think I'll show up for Wednesday night. <laughs> it's so good, I think I'll sing in the choir. It's so good, I think I'll smile. <laughs> Woo! All you Christians baptized in persimmon juice, smile right there, amen. I'm having a good time, and i got to quit. And when I stop enjoying preaching, I will retire. But I'm, I, until then, I'm going to keep on preaching. I got one amen, thank the Lord. But anyway, look at 2 Timothy 1.12, and I'll close, okay? My time is up. 2 Timothy, he said, who sets the time? Your attention span. I ain't seen no Baptist can listen over an hour. Some of you can't listen over 10 minutes. Children's church, they listen more than that. So come on, amen. But look at this, 2 Timothy. I'm just kidding with you. I love you. 
I'm glad you're here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. You think it was easy being a Christian in Timothy's day and Paul's day? Mm-mm. They beat him to a pulp. They put him in jail. They laughed at him like game objects of, of, of beatings and scourging and fed him to the lines and sawed him asunder. Read Hebrews chapter 11 sometime. Last few verses. But it says, nevertheless. Nevertheless. I like those nevertheless in the Bible, don't you? Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why, why, why was Paul not ashamed? Why was he trying to encourage Timothy? Here it is. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Then he said, hold fast. The form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, Timothy, keep on preaching. Keep on deacon. Keep on serving. And folks, the reason we can serve with confidence is because the Holy Ghost is inside of us. Saying all things work together. Hey, what you're going through is going to make you more like Jesus. And what you're going through is going to give me more glory. And folks, this is the confidence have. Your confidence will come as you rest in the finished and sufficient work of the cross of Calvary. Look at verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And I'm not going to preach this, but i got to read it. i just got to read it. Look at verse 33 and 34. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God! It is God! That what? Justifies. Who is he that condemneth? See, these questions are questions that you cannot say, I'm losing my salvation. It's over. My world's falling apart. It says, who is he that condemneth? Here it is. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I'm closing right there. But folks, the title of the message was Why does bad things happen to good people? But the real title of the message is you ought to have some confidence in the Holy Spirit in your life to give you full assurance. And that assurance is based on He died for you, He arose for you. He ascended on the right hand of God for you. And guess what? He's now interceding for you. Did you pray for yourself this morning? You should have. You should have. You should have said, Lord, help me pay attention to that long-winded preacher. Oh, God, help me get something out of that. You should have prayed that. But if you didn't, Jesus prayed for you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And thanks be to God, His prayers get answered. Folks, I'm glad that all things work together for them that love God that are called according to His purpose. And His purpose is 
So we're predestined, foreordained once we get saved to be like Jesus. Father, thank you for the great verses that we had the privilege of trying to rightly divide and preach this morning. Lord, I've never looked at the next few verses like you showed them to me this week, and I sure would like to preach that tonight, but I told Brother Jeremy he's preaching. So I'm going to be a man of my word, but dear God, I can't wait to Sunday morning a week from now and preach on the love of God, the assurance of salvation. Lord, I thank you that you won't disown us. I thank you you're a heavenly father that will not disown his children. And I thank you, dear God, that you will not divorce your bride. That you're always faithful. And you're always good. And you're always right. And Lord, you make no mistake even when we, go in, when we feel like, why, Lord, are we going through this junk? God, there's a reason. And that reason is that you want us to confirm our faith. But God, you want the lost to be confounded. So Lord, help us to be a testimony when it counts the most in this COVID time, in this sickness time, in this political unrest time. God, help us to be the light and the salt and the Christian that has confidence not in politics or preachers or potentates, or po but has confidence in the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to make us more God glorifying than when we went through this, when we got in this stuff. God, thank you that all things work.